You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. This is the Christian Humanist Podcast, a weekly discussion of theology, philosophy, literature, art, and other things that human beings do well. And now your hosts, David Grubbs, Nathan Gilmore, and Michael Fong. So the same episode 269 of the Christian Humanist Podcast. I'm your host for today. My name is Michael Farmer, and for the next day and a half, I am an assistant professor of English at Crown College in St. Bonifacius, Minnesota. Uh, Joining me are two guys who I hope will still have the same jobs uh, three days from now. Nathan Gilmore is a professor of English at Emanuel College in Franklin Springs, Georgia. Nathan, do you plan on still being employed? I certainly hope to be. Good plan. Uh, also joining us is David Grubbs, who's an assistant professor of English at Houston Baptist University. Grubbs, we're recording late today because of your final exams. So, 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 so presumably, I'm, I'm, I'm also going to be employed next year, um, to the best of my knowledge. I mean, I signed a contract to the effect. So, but you never know. Like we had floods last night, so. You could really screw up between now and then. Who knows? It is all in the hands of Lady Fortune and her crazy wheel. Lady Fortuna. Uh, Isn't that Vanna White? (laughs) (laughs) Shouldn't even spin it anymore. Uh, What's new on the network? We've got a new uh, sectarian review on a little book called Why They Can't Write. Uh, It's a fun book. I've read it. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Anything else? I know there's a new Christian feminist podcast coming out, although I don't remember what it's going to be on, nor do I know if it comes out this week or next. I hope it's next week because I haven't heard anything about it, but by the time this uh, drops live, I might have heard. Oh, I do know. It's something to do with uh, education. Yeah, Katie's uh, in on that one. and uh... Oh, is it the next uh, complementarian-ish? No. No, uh, no. It's, no. It's, uh, it's a... So I need to quit guessing. The, the episode is on uh, women in education, and, they're, and they're, they're ranging from public, private, higher ed, um, and just, just sort of running the, running the gamut there. So I think right that'll on. be out three days after this episode drops. And even if it's the week after that, who cares, because we won't be back until the fall anyway, so we won't have a chance to plug it. Right. True enough. So listen to it, listeners. And this is the last episode of our uh, our season, so we will be back sometime in August or September. We don't know exactly when, but now is probably the time to make an announcement about the future of this podcast, which is a little bit up in the air. It's uh, time we have the relationship talk, listeners. We're going to DTR. <laughs> so, so um, as you probably don't know, because you don't listen to this live, we, we typically record in the middle of the day because all three of us are college professors and can kind of eke out the time to do so in the middle of the day. I don't know what I'm going to be doing next semester when this show starts back up. So it may be that this show has a more sporadic release schedule than it has in the past. I don't know that we'll be doing less than one a week, but I don't know that we won't be doing less than one a week, if that makes sense. Um, but the show's not going on hiatus or anything like that. We'll still record when we can and uh, release release shows on this uh, this channel. And all the other shows on the network will continue as they have been doing. So uh, don't, uh, don't despair or celebrate, I suppose. And any updates, I imagine, Michael, will probably uh, drop a, a special episode on this feed, as well as making the announcement on Facebook, ChristianHumanist.org. In other words, we won't leave people in the dark as to how often the show will be coming out. Yeah, don't uh, unsubscribe from our feed or anything like that. We'll be back, like I said, late August, early September. We'll figure something out. Right. So just like normal, just like normal. Uh, We will also, there'll be a new show on the network in the fall. Maybe a couple of new shows, but one for sure called, uh, we're going to call it, I think, Core Curriculum. And uh, I think we kind of cooked up this idea between the three of us, but it's going to be a... uh, 
it came from a conversation uh, the three of us had with Josh Altman Schofer on Twitter, actually, about about having longer form episodes. So in the core curriculum, we're going to go through the Columbia University core curriculum classes much more slowly than uh, than they go through it because they read, oh, I don't know, 45 texts in a single calendar year. We're going to go much slower than that, but we're going to read the same text they do. So starting probably in September, we're going to do a, a network-wide read-through of uh, Homer's Iliad. I think we have 11 episodes planned for that, and the first one is books one and two if you want to listen along, but it'll be, uh, it'll be different people every episode. I know I'm hosting the first one, uh, but it'll be, uh, it'll be different people in each episode, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have some fun talking about the Iliad. I'm excited about it. Not excited enough to sign up yet on the schedule. I had to notice, David. It's because I love all of it so much. I, I, I don't. I like. I'm waiting to see. I just, I just, I just, I, just, I, I want to talk about all of it, but I don't want to sign up for all of it. Does that Fair make enough. sense? <laughs> So, if, so we'll, we'll make an announcement about that on Facebook and Twitter also. But uh, as we normally do, when there's a new show, we, we usually put its first episode on this feed as well as the Mothership show on the station. So uh, th- that'll be, y- you will know when it comes out. Uh, and probably the other shows will plug it in some way too, since people from all of them, I think, are probably going to be involved in one capacity or another. Any other announcements, guys? Nothing leaps to mind. Well, nope. our topic today is uh, apropos. It's going to be about commencements or graduation ceremonies. Uh, and I, I want to approach the topic largely phenomenologically because that way none of us are going to have to do any actual research. And we, can just, <laughs> we can just talk about our experience because that's the sort of episode you look for at the end of the semester, wouldn't you say? Oh, that's what I'm looking forward to. So let's start with our own commencement ceremonies. David, what do you remember about your high school graduation, and how does it compare to whatever you remember about your college graduation? Oh, okay, strap in, strap in, people. Um, So I was homeschooled, um, as I'm sure. You know, I didn't even think about that when I made this question. Yeah, I'm trying not not to make a joke about front porch graduation. Well, at least it's a quick ceremony. You'd think. So, yeah. So I'm homeschooled, as uh, as as I'm sure uh, regular listeners know. I graduated from the uh, the the homeschool group that uh, I was part of in um, oh gosh, dialing back in the state of Alabama. I don't know exactly what the legal status is now, but at uh, when, when I was in school, the legal status of homeschooling in Alabama was either you were homeschooled under the tutor law, which required one of your parents to have uh, some kind of state certification or licensure to function as a as a as a official tutor or oh tutor David, I, that one, I heard yeah. tutor like yeah, oh Henry see VIII. michael I, I was gonna make a joke on that and you just blew it on blew it for me i'm sorry nathan go ahead and make the <laughs> that's joke. Right. we'll pretend like i hadn't said anything I, I was gonna say uh david since you graduated they replaced it with the stewart law <sighs> yeah so Gosh, I don't even remember what I was saying. We're talking about how <laughs> if you're if you're homeschooled in Alabama, you're either a oh right, right, or, right, right, right. You're either functioning under the under or a the, sedan the, the, <laughs> under the tutor law or under uh, the private school law, in which uh, there is a a a a private school that functions as uh, sort of your. Uh, your legal cover with each family associated with that school being legally defined as satellite classrooms. Anyway, the latter is the option that we went, that, that, that uh, I was homeschooled under, which meant that we had this church group with a bunch of affiliated families. And when it came time for graduation, 
all of the family's graduates went together. So it was not just sort of me on my front porch with my dad handing me a, uh, handing me a, a diploma. Um, however, there were only, I think, four of us in the group who graduated that year, and two of them didn't want to participate or didn't show up. I don't remember this. I don't remember the details. Um, the the point is that at my graduation, in which there were a lot of people, like the it, it was at my church. The the um, uh, the sanctuary was full. There were I don't know probably hundred people, and two people graduating. And he he was really really good at the piano, and so as part of the ceremony, his parents had him play the piano, and it was amazing. And my mom was like, "We gotta do something." <laughs> so I so I talked. Um, I gave some kind of speech. I might have had notes. I don't remember what I said. In fact, I didn't remember what I said as soon as I sat down. And after it was over, I had people coming up to me like, that was really good. That was, I, that, that really meant something to me. That was insightful or whatever. Or like, thank you for what you said. I was like, I don't know what I said. <laughs> Probably you quoted uh, Frost, The Road Not Taken and misinterpreted it. That's my understanding of how valedictorian speeches work. Maybe maybe that's how it went. I don't know. Um, all I know is that it wasn't recorded, and to this day, I do not know what I did in my commencement. Um, I did get a diploma, and I wore a suit for the occasion. Um, college graduation, I went to a, a, a little Bible college where uh, students were required to turn out for commencement. Um so I went to every commencement every year that I was there, not just the one where I graduated. Uh, and in commencement, the uh, the student who had won uh, Preacher of the Year in the homiletics class, um, the, the homiletics uh, the pastoral ministry student who had been sort of won Preacher of the Year, he would preach. And then we would have a commencement speaker who was always a preacher who would also preach. So, and the AC would always go out. Oh, <laughs> you're wearing those. You're, well, I guess unless you're unless you're graduating, you don't have to wear a robe. So that's nice. Yeah. So so basically, what it meant was when I was in college, I went to four years of commencements with two sermons and no AC. Um, and it, but it did help that the graduating classes were never more than like twenty, thirty people. What would happen if you didn't go? I don't know, actually, because I never didn't go, so I don't know what that consequence would would have been. But well, we... Nathan, you went to a public school, right? So, uh, how was your experience different than Grubbs? Yeah, I also went to four graduations, but they were four high school graduations uh, because I was in the band, so we always played the Pomp and Circumstance March. Uh, so I got to know the baritone saxophone part for that march very, very well. And listeners, it is a never-ending string of quarter notes. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> to this day when I hear, you know, Pomp and Circumstance being played at Emmanuel's graduation, all I can hear is the bass line. Uh, so... You know, when it was time for me to graduate, really the only difference was I started out in the seats and then I went back to the band, you know, to play uh, whatever our feature song was. I didn't, you know, play Pomp and Circumstance for myself. Uh, it was an outdoor graduation in Indiana in May, so it was hot. Um, and, you know, really other than that, what I remember best is uh, you know, actually having to clean out my band locker. I played baritone saxophone, so I had this giant closet-sized locker uh, in the middle of the school, which was, you know, prime real estate for four years. Uh, and I had to, you know, it took me, I think, three trips after graduation to get all my junk out into my car. Like, that's, that's the part of graduation I remember. Uh, when it comes to college, 
uh, you know, we had a baccalaureate service in the morning, um, and a friend of mine's father, who's a missionary in Papua New Guinea, uh, gave the baccalaureate sermon. Uh, I honestly don't remember who the speaker was at my own graduation, uh, but it was crowded, you know, as graduations tend to be at, at small colleges. You have a chapel, really, that's built for a few hundred students, and on graduation day, you have a couple thousand people uh, packing the place. Um, and other than that, you know, what, what I remember best now as a 42-year-old uh, is that, you know, my grandparents who have since died were there. So, I mean, that's what I remember uh, best about that graduation. So, you know, really uh, both of them are pleasant. Uh, I remember the people who were there, but I don't really remember much about the ceremony itself these 20 or 25 years later. How about you, Michael? I, uh, I, uh, I had a very large high school graduation. I had more than 800 people in my graduating class. There were actually more people at my high school graduation, graduating from my high school than there were students, period, at my college. Um, so I don't remember a whole lot about my high school graduation, except it was outdoors at the end of May in Georgia. And it was very hot and very long because there were 800 people to get across the stage. Um, I don't remember anything about the service itself. I remember talking to my high school English teacher, Mr. Egan, in the uh, robing room beforehand. And I, I remember being very moved that he came back to the robing room to say, to tell us all good luck. Uh, I don't remember a whole lot more about my college graduation, which was much smaller because, again, my, my entire school was fewer than 800 students, and I graduated in December. So I bet I graduated with less than 50 people, fewer than 50 people. Um, and, you know, I, 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 remember, I remember the night before talking to my parents, and I remember, uh, I remember the, the professors who I was close to coming across the stage to shake my hand, but I don't remember much about the, the ceremony itself. But my memory uh, is, is really pretty spotty about all sorts of stuff. So I'm, I'm actually interested to hear how much you guys remember about your graduations. In, in both cases, for me, it was a hoop to jump through. Um, nothing I was terribly excited about, uh, uh, just, just something that, that had to be done or my mother would have killed me if I hadn't walked at those. <laughs> I remember the um, PhD graduation, which I didn't ask about on this question, but the, my PhD graduation was endless. Nathan remembers, I'm sure, he was there. Oh, I do, I do. Endless. Just it, it, They just go on forever. There, I, how many speakers were there? There must have been two or three different speakers. And... Oh, there were, there were. And I and see, Michael, now you're uh, making me feel guilty because now I'm remembering that my kid got sick the morning of David's graduation, so I, I favored one of you over the other. Well, I didn't go to but either not, of your graduations. But not by my choice. <laughs> well, well, my doctor father didn't go to mine, so so that was fine. My, uh, I love you, Jonathan my, Evans. Mine didn't either. Did, have I told the story on the air before? I'll tell it anyway. You know, my um, my major professor was uh, Reg McKnight, who uh, is a wonderful man, but is who he is. And uh, <laughs> so, so you know, you, you get uh, you get you get hooded by your major professor. You're supposed to at graduation, but McKnight didn't show up, so I got I got hooded by a total stranger. And again, I mean people listening to this who know McKnight, which is probably not a whole lot of people, uh, are probably no more surprised by that than I was. You know, he, he, like I said, he is, he is who he is and, and it would be foolish to have your feelings hurt by that. But what makes me laugh about it is the next morning I got a text message from him asking if I was going to graduation. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite part of the story. It really is. Yeah. Cause I mean, he was trying, it wasn't like, it wasn't like he was abandoning me. He just, you know, that's, that's what he is, and and I, I love the guy, but uh, he's not the sort of person you plan on having hood you at graduation. Where was Evans at yours, though, David? There, there was actually a a, a genuine conflict. I think that it, it was it was something to do with one of his children. Um, he he was simply not going to be able to be there. I graduated at the end of a summer, and mm. and 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 that that is always. Uh, an extra logistical challenge um and so uh you know he 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 was he was very uh very apologetic very regretful but you know 
I mean, there, there was there was nothing to be done about it, so I was I wasn't mad. But fortunately, um, I, I was I was very happy that my uh, another member of my committee, Dr. Camp, um, who is you know blessed among women and wonderful, uh, she she agreed to hood me, and so um, you sit next to the professor who. If, if, if you're bringing a professor... In theory, to, you do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if, you bring, if you have a professor to hood you who, is, you know, who you're bringing with you, you sit next to them. So, so I don't remember a whole lot about my PhD graduation because I was sitting there the whole time with Cynthia Camp and we were quipping about everything. And it, it, was, it was just a lot of fun. Maybe one thing you were quipping about was uh, the dubious honor of wearing academic regalia which uh which we all have as phds nathan what strikes you as interesting about those silly clothes uh historically trivially personally i just want to talk about the silly clothes oh sure sure and i mean honestly this is uh one of the things that helps pass the time every year at emmanuel college's graduation is i get to play tour guide for our students and explain my colleagues uh, different, you know, graduation or different doctoral gowns uh, and explain that the light blue is a doctor of education, the dark blue is a doctor of philosophy, uh, that the light brownish color that business professors wears, is, it's not called light brown, it is called drab. You cannot which... make that up. <laughs> it is wonderful, it is wonderful. Actually drab. Um, yeah, that's the name it of the color. It is called drab, yes. <laughs> It is absolutely the name of that color. You know, yeah. you know some art major made that decision. Absolutely. And then, you know, the pink is fine arts and so on and so forth. And so, you know, it's it's kind of a fun uh, one-day-a-year opportunity to have conversations with students and, you know, uh, make the drab joke and, you know, just kind of do all that kind of, all that kind of thing. Uh, I will say that, you know, being a professor in Georgia, I get to wear the infernal thing in May and August. Uh, at graduation Oof. and then at formal convocation, so uh, you couldn't pick two worse months to wear that, you know, steamy engine of destruction. Uh, but it is fun, frankly, I mean, to dress up like, you know, Desiderius Erasmus and march around campus <laughs> like I own the place, so uh, I ain't complaining ultimately. Supposedly uh, at the University of the South in Sewanee, Tennessee, they encourage professors to wear their regalia to class. I don't know if that's true or not. I couldn't tell you. I mean, I I, I don't know that I'd want to wear mine every day. Uh, I only have to dry clean the sucker, you know, once every few years as it stands. Uh, I have a hunch that if I wore that thing for the entire month of September, which listeners, if you don't live in Georgia, the entire month of September is in the 90s. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that thing would have fallen apart by now. Now, do students still wear gowns at Oxford and Cambridge, like, back in a day? I don't know. Nor do I. That would be interesting. You mean just wear them around? Um, I, one of the things that uh, fascinates me about uh, novels like, uh, like Dorothy Sayers' Gaudy Night, which has this uh, kind of peek into life within that culture you know almost 100 years ago now frankly uh is is the the description of students uh students in their gowns with stuff uh things stuffed up their sleeves or being late to class like racing down the sidewalk putting your gown on and you know all all of those kinds of things and i remember you know i remember uh, well not remember like i have students who like i'm lucky if they remembered to put clothes on you know i i just wonder if, if how how different the culture would be if not just faculty on special occasions but also students had to dress dress like they were at hogwarts maybe if we now, framed it as being like hogwarts they would want to do it <laughs> i think i think that would increase the odds now did you two buy graduation robes when you graduated Ind university of georgia indeed i got so regalia. what's been your experience michael uh i you know there it's kind of fun to put them on i always feel like a turkey spoiling for a fight <laughs> <laughs> like miles standish or something wearing that stupid robe um my favorite little factoid about 
uh, academic regalia is, you know, in, in the United States, when you have a PhD from a, an American university, you wear what's called a TAM. It's like a silly looking beret, right? Um, in Apparently in the Scandinavian countries, you get a top hat. I've seen the pictures. Uh, so that would be kind of cool. I have a friend who, uh, who he got part of his PhD at, uh, I think it was London School of Economics, and it entitles him to wear a Beefeater hat. Nice. But I, don't think, I, I don't. I don't think he's ordered one yet. But I. I just feel like if why I. Why not? I, I. I don't know. He's. He's an adjunct professor, so he doesn't walk at graduation anyway. Oh, I got you. I got you. Um. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing to point out is you can tell where a person went to school by the colors on the hood. So the color in the middle is the their discipline, and then the colors around it are the the school's colors. So uh, our our hoods, I assume, are all white in the middle with red and black around them, right? I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I will say. Speaking of hats, uh, I had a professor in seminary who did his PhD at University of Toronto, and the hat that that came with. Uh, looks like Shakespeare wrote a pimp into Merchant of Venice. It is glorious. <laughs> the, the pimp of Venice. How do you... it re- I mean, I, if you saw the thing, you would agree with me. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> How do you guys feel about the robes that are colored based on the school instead of just being black? I have a number of colleagues who have green Baylor robes. And... I, I think it looks pretty, but I also have a lot of colleagues who, who, who went, who got their degrees, uh, in, in other countries. And so the, the regalia variations, it's way, it's way more than just color coded hoods. Um, it's entirely different cuts of robes. Um, you know, John Knox hats, uh, you know, Open front robes, close front robes. There's a guy who looks like a cardinal. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's pretty neat. I definitely have regalia envy on commencement day. Um, there is a guy. Well, he's he's retired now, but a, a crown professor who got his degree from NYU, and it is a bright purple robe. And I tried to get him to give it to me when he retired. <laughs> it it it. Nice. it, it it clear, clearly marks him as king among faculty members. <laughs> clearly, like, well, I mean, you see that robe, and you know, you know, he's the boss. I had a professor uh, in college who got, oh gosh, I can't remember where he got his his uh, his degree. It was somewhere in Scotland, but his robe was it was open front, it was lined with red silk. And he had a John Knox hat with ear flaps, and he wore a tux with a bow tie under it. He looked like a vampire reformer. That is wonderful. It was it was amazing. We all wanted his regalia, but none of us wanted to go to, you know, the UK just for that. You know, it's the most expensive article of clothing I own by about two hundred dollars. So um, now, oh, me as well, me as well. Now that I'm getting out of academia, I think I'm going to start wearing it to job interviews. <laughs> Only now, Michael. I, I should say one thing about University of Georgia's graduation, and Fran Teague told me this because she was there to hood me. Uh, but the procession at the University of Georgia graduation is led by the sheriff of Clark County. That's right. And he wears a ceremonial saber. And the reason for this is that when the university started, uh, it was still very much contested uh, territory. Uh, so one of the rules of graduation at the University of Georgia is that the sheriff of Clark County has to be present and armed at graduation. Wow. It is a, it is a time for ceremony, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would carry a saber in graduation if I could get away with it, but it's not the law. So Who's going to see it underneath your robe? I'm going to know it's there. It's going to be rad anyway. You know. What I'm saying is there's nothing keeping you from doing it. Oh, uh, I would probably clunk, though. That that would that would probably give me away. That, and if you had to sit next to a colleague, that might get uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> is the sword's just kind of, like, sticking out on the side, and they're like, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, let's move on. A lot of professors really dread these ceremonies. If they have to go to them at all, I'm always surprised to hear that at some schools they don't make all the faculty members go to a graduation ceremony. What? 
what are you guys required to participate in and how do you feel about that? Um, we have usually three graduations in spring, uh, two at the end of summer, uh, uh, two at the end of fall. You, 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 wait, you have three graduations in the spring? It all has to do with the, the facilities that we have. Uh, to do it we, we simply can't do outdoor graduations here it's already over 90 degrees with 90 percent humidity um it, it's it's you know you wouldn't leave a dog outside in houston right now so yeah and and the weather like well in houston april showers bring may showers which bring june showers so Anyway, uh, but because of the size of the facility that we've got, um, you can't have an everybody at one time. So they do three sequentially. Um, depending on the year, uh, most years you only have to go to the graduation that is for the school in which you are faculty. So... Um, I only am going to go to the one for the School of Humanities tomorrow, or uh, uh, Saturday. Um, there have been years when uh, they asked us to go to two out to two out of three, but that's usually uh, at the end of summer because only only faculty who teach during the summer are required to participate in summer graduation. And so sometimes they ask us to, to participate in both of those so that we you know fill the stage. Um, but in terms of extra things like a baccalaureate or other honor ceremonies or things of that nature, um, that, that depends on whether or not the professor is directly involved in award dispensing or being a faculty sponsor of, of clubs or organizations that are related to it. I'm just at one commencement usually. Nice. How about you, Nathan? Uh, we only have one graduation. It is in May, and uh, all faculty are expected to go to it. Although, you know, in my experience, if faculty have uh, a good reason or another reason not to be there, they can usually get out of it. That said, uh, because it is a very small campus, uh, most of us uh, make every attempt to be there. Um, I do have a story about University of Georgia's graduation, though. In 2012, when I graduated, not the graduate school graduation, but the undergrad graduation. Uh, they found out relatively late in the game that Governor Nathan Deal was going to make an, make an appearance at UGA's graduation. So they put out an email to all of the faculty asking them, okay, you know, uh, normally we don't ask you to be at graduation. There's a few dozen of you up on stage, but the governor's going to be there, so we really need you to come out to graduation. And from what Fran Teague tells me, because she's the one that told me this story, uh, you know, they got a series of middle finger emails. So they made another attempt, and they said, uh, we are going to cater a gourmet meal before graduation. It's an evening graduation. And uh, any professor who comes, you know, we will feed you this wonderful food, and then you can be there for graduation. Crickets. So Fran Teague thought that was the end of it, because she didn't hear anything more, until the morning before graduation, she was getting her hair cut, and her hairdresser said, you know, I'm just so excited to, you know, wear that gown at graduation, and Fran Teague said, oh, I didn't know you were attending college. She says, oh, I'm not. They're just letting me dress up as a professor to go to UGA's graduation. It's the, uh, it's the parable of the banquet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that they, <laughs> you know, uh, except that in this case, you know, uh, the bridegroom didn't know or at least wasn't told that uh, the, the banquet was going to be full, full, filled with ringers. So, Michael, what do you got? Well, are you required? So it was like a Potemkin we, village commencement? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, the few dozen faculty who normally would be there and then a few dozen townies uh, who, <laughs> you know, were wearing professorial robes. That's that awesome. is amazing. Yeah, that was uh, 2012. I would think That's that amazing. telling them Nathan Deal being there would not be a great way to get a bunch of 
that's kind of what I thought when Fran told me that story. Yeah, it's like, boy, that's gonna that's that's actually gonna decrease the odds they're gonna show up. Tell them Ruth Bader Ginsburg yeah. is gonna show up. Yeah, don't. There you go. There you go. It's already a hard ask. Don't don't disincentivize it. You know. We just had the one uh, graduation ceremony, uh, and it's uh, it's a Saturday morning, and then the night before we have what's called the presidential reception, where we all have to we we're required to go to that too and wear a tie, and mill around and meet uh, students' parents, which is one of my least favorite parts of the year. Yeah, ours is called honors night. We're not required to wear a tie, and it's still my least favorite event of the year. And for for uh, for listeners who don't understand why that might be. Uh, when you teach students, and especially when you teach students at a small school, you get to know them very well. And getting to know a student very well uh, means getting to hear a lot of BS spoken about their parents, whom you then have to meet. And uh, it's uh, strange and awkward. <laughs> Wouldn't you say, Nathan? Uh, and for me, it's not so much that. It's just that these students haven't seen their parents, usually since Easter, at least, maybe since Christmas. And nobody wants to talk to me. They've seen me since January. So what ends up happening is the professors who are not just sort of natural uh, people people uh, end up kind of in clusters like a junior high dance over to the side talking amongst themselves and wondering why, oh, why did we come to this thing this year? Oh, I, see, I don't mind that part. I, I don't mind standing around talking to my colleagues. It's it's when a, uh, a parent comes over and says, oh, Susie's told me so much about you. <laughs> That's what I nice, can't say. Nice, nice. And then, and then you say, year, oh, Susie's told me so much about you. Well, and then every year, um, this happens with a student who has failed one of my classes. And I always want to say, yeah, what did the, what has she told you? <laughs> what have you heard? Can I, you repeat it? I deny everything. What do you guys have to do during the service? I, I We just sit there. We don't go down and shake hands or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, we we have a little area in the auditorium where we sit, and, you know, there's a point in the service where, you know, the president says, you know, over here to my right are Emmanuel's faculty representing, you know, thousands of hours of graduate study and dedication and yada, yada, yada. And then we also have uh, one faculty gets the, um, uh, the, the Fireball Award, not Fire, B-A-L-L, but Fire, B-A-U-G-H named after a donor family uh, that basically funds an award for an outstanding professor each year. And I won that one in 2012. I was going to ask you if you'd won it. Fireball. Is it, is it shaped like a fire flower from, from Mario? I wish. Oh, how great would that be? <laughs> it looks like the fire the, the flower cup from Mario Kart. <laughs> also, I think you also best. win that for racing... Uh, go-karts the fastest (laughs) does david do anything during graduation oh we we sit there we clap um we are we are up on stage um so we are we are facing facing the crowd um we sing the alma mater which is which is always fun um we sing. You have an alma. We don't have one. We just sing "Crown Him with Many Crowns." Get it? Ah, yeah, clever. We have a school hymn and an alma mater. We begin by singing the first, and we end by singing the second. And so we must look like some kind of giant multicolored choir, you know, who just couldn't get matching robes. It's but but yeah, it's 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 kind of fun. Um. But other than that, we all we all walk in and we have to walk through students who are already standing on the stage to get to our bleachers. And, you know, sometimes you see the ones that you know and you kind of, you know, kind of wave on the down low. And, you know, it's that that's fun. It has much better AC than than commencements from when I was a student. Nothing's worse than sweating under those robes because you can't do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, you're like a wrestler trying to make weight. It's it's just the worst. <laughs> and see, we're on the stage too, so we're we're instructed to smile the whole time. And uh, oh no, see, we're we're on the floor facing front, so 
yeah, I mean, my colleagues are actually much worse behaved than the students are during graduation. <laughs> Your colleagues, yeah. though, not you. That's what I said. Oh, every year, every year we get the we get the email. Um, wear real shoes. Because <laughs> you because we all have to walk across the front of the stage. Everybody can see our shoes. Wear real shoes. Don't fall asleep. Oh, you it's know. so hard not to fall asleep. Yes. Last year, a friend of mine, a faculty friend of mine, and I were going to kneel during the national anthem. But then they didn't play the national anthem, so we didn't have the opportunity to stir things up. But like I said, we're on stage the whole time, so everybody in the auditorium can look at us. I don't know if they, they are. Presumably they're looking at their children walking across the stage, but um, they can look at us, which means I can't fall asleep or pick my nose or do any of the other things I would like to do during graduation. Now, now I don't want to quibble at all with the, the meaningfulness of that gesture, but how are you planning to stand up again after kneeling in your regalia? We probably weren't actually going to do it, but it would have been great, wouldn't it? <laughs> this is the year to do it. Cause what are they going to do to me? Right, right. It wouldn't be graduation without a graduation speaker. Sometimes it's a student. Sometimes it's a faculty member. Sometimes it's someone from outside the college. The three of us, I'm sure, have heard at least a couple of dozen graduation speakers apiece. Do you have any insight on what makes a good one and maybe more significantly what makes a bad one? Uh, I will paraphrase Polonius and say brevity is the soul of wit. Amen. Yes. Especially if there's more uh, than one speech. Oh, heavens yes. And we've gone to a model at Emmanuel. We just started last year where the valedictorian as well as a commencement speaker speak. So brevity is really, really welcome. Oh, I can, um, I can do you one better, Nathan. We, have, we don't have a valedictorian, but we have the students vote for a student speaker. But then there's also a speaker from the online school. A student speaker from the online school. Oh, heavens. And then announce that speaker. That does beat what I've got. Um, I will say that, you know, in addition to brevity, I mean, you know, some sense of the audience to whom you're addressing. I mean, I realize this is just straight up Arist Aristotle, you know, uh, rhetoric here. Uh, but, you know, being aware uh, with your cultural references and so on and so forth is always helpful. Uh, you know, I, I can't remember, Michael, whether it was your Ph.D., graduation or mine i think it was yours but the speaker was a a professor from i think the school of biology that was mine and yeah, yeah and he spent the first you know 30 minutes of his talk saying that you know his greatest advice for all the graduates is you know don't live your life in the books do real study and then I, it really was i mean several minutes into the talk it seemed to occur to him that there might be humanities people graduating <laughs> so I mean, he, he, he very, very clearly started improvising a backpedal, which really didn't work. So, I mean, that 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 is a, a memorably bad graduation speaker. Our, our um, online student, who is generally a master's student who's getting a degree in ministry, uh, has traditionally talked about how school's not that important. <laughs> wow! That, that has happened at least half the years that I have had to sit through the master, the uh, online master's students speaking speech. That, that, that is not tremendous. Well spoken. That's tremendous. Um, so I mean, you know, that that's what makes a bad one. You know, like I said, the the ones that I've remembered that are good, like I said, I mean, make some kind of connection between the life of study and the actual audience present in the auditorium david how about you i mean how do you evaluate a commencement speaker well yeah Bre brevity awareness of time um also awareness that people are not there to hear this the commencement speaker that's right nobody um, wants to hear it yeah it, it's it's gotta be a pretty thankless job right i i, I can't i can't imagine um I can't imagine at like actively seeking it out. I mean, you know, I, I, I just, I, I just have to imagine that most, most commencement speakers have some kind of, you know, they get some kind of enormous favor at some point in the future. <laughs> um, right, right. Now I, I would, I would speak at a graduation if I ever got invited. I don't think I ever will, but you, you know, know, if I ever written? got, no, no. But if I did, I'd, I'd whittle it down to 10 minutes. 
Dear listeners, if you need commencement speakers, the Christian Humanist Podcast would like to make its services available. We will be both perfunctory and witty. Yeah, I mean, my speech would be 45 seconds, tops. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I was a preacher for three years. I don't know if I can do 45 seconds. (laughs) You can't do three points in a poem in 35 seconds. That's right. Um, Uh, I like student speeches where they make jokes about individual faculty members. I've always enjoyed that. Yeah, turn it into a roast. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's... uh, See, that's... Make them laugh. That's a a good... uh, that's a good policy. Don't don't be lachrymose. And definitely don't be self-promoting. That's the worst of all. When you have the outside speaker who comes in and it's all about the business he owns and how great he is. Oh. Yeah, we get a lot of those at Emanuel. We, uh, we always have an outside speaker. I don't think in the 10 years I've been there, we've had a faculty give the, uh, a professor, pardon me, give the commencement address. So, you know, I graduated in December from TFC. The, the speaker the previous spring was uh ralph reed just before oh no kidding just before his uh his scandal huh nice yeah wow our commencement speaker is always the president of the college or the university wow um is it the same person every year or do they just turn over that fast no he, he uh we have had uh hbu started in uh was founded in the late 60s early 70s right around in there it has had three presidents that's impressive uh the current president has been here i think around 10 years um he he speaks at all the all three uh regular spring commencement services um we have a 9 a.m and 11 30 and a 2 p.m they are all in the same facility which means everybody has to get in to start at 9. The entire commencement has to happen, including the commencement speech. Then everybody has to leave, hobnob, get pictures and whatnot, and leave for the next group to come at 11.30. And presumably some people are in both groups. Yes, which means oh. which means there is n- absolutely no time for shilly shallying. I've never been I've never been in a university that is more clockwork efficient about its commencement a commencement than HBU. Um, I have a number of faculty for whom or a number of colleagues for whom this is their first faculty job, and I periodically have to you know just sort of let them know the how how good they have it. <laughs> They're like, oh, I have to go to commencement again. I'm like, dude. <laughs> um, but the, the the beauty of having um, Dr. Sloan be the commencement speaker is that he he has to come up with something that he that he wants to say three times in a row. Um, he is he is a preacher. He has a preacher's instinct. Um, he's uh, he's in 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 a way he sounds like um, an an. If 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 you if you crossed uh, an old Roman senator with Andy Griffith, that kind of um, kind of deliberate, you know, intimate but stately kind of uh, personality, he can be very personal and and kind of sort of folksy and 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 jokey, and then then the next moment drop a quote from. Uh, and T. Wright, who he knows. Um, Does but, he announce that he knows him? No, the... no, he doesn't. I just know that he knows him. <laughs> um, yeah, but it... he does, however, mention in every speech that Tony Jones went to Princeton Seminary. <laughs> 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 so, um, but but what that means is that he is he is a- always absolutely in control of how much time he has. Um, he is a he is a servant of the order of the commencement. He's not an outside person who can mistake this moment in the spotlight as their as their time. Um, and as a result, he is he is always effective. He is always polished, and he is always on time. He never outstays his welcome. It's it's kind of a miracle. Every every commencement is a miracle, in terms of this the commencement speaker. And it's never the same thing. Every year, it's a different talk. 
Wow. That's not bad. I know. It's pretty amazing. Well, How about you, Michael? I, I know you've got stories. Uh, you know, I, I think I've, I've, I've told you enough about the ones I don't like. I'm not sure I have. Um, I don't, I'm not sure I can remember enough about the really bad ones to to give you details. But the, the ones where they get a businessman come in and it's all about how successful he is and how great it would be if you were like him, I find those really tedious. I find the, the, the ones where education's not that important. What's important is your walk with Jesus. I, those also bother me. I mean, you, like you said, read the room, you, you know, understand where you are and whom you're speaking to. He, um, one guy who did that also made the habit of calling us friends over and over again. Friends, he would say, these drive me nuts. Um, the, the student speeches tend to be the best ones. And maybe that's just because I know the students. Um, and so I have some context for what they're saying, but I would almost always rather listen to a student speech than the outside speaker. Not always. Yeah, last last year our valedictorian was an English major, and she did the Gilmore Say More from stage. What is the and Gilmore? About half the students... <laughs> oh, oh, I get it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, about half the students got it, which was gratifying. A student, our our student last year was an English major, and she um. It was interesting. She messaged me. She text, texted me the night before and said, I'm going to make you cry in, in my speech. And she talked about something we had spoken about, which is that commencement ceremonies are very exciting for the students who are graduating, but they can be kind of hard for the professors because, um, you know, it's a bunch of people who you dedicated a lot of time to who are now leaving you and you don't have anything other than the three months off you're not moving on to anything for the most part. And so graduation can be, for me anyway, kind of sad. And so she, she mentioned that, and it did indeed make me cry. Aww. Another time-honored tradition at commencement ceremonies is the bestowing of honorary doctorates. Do your schools participate in that tradition, and what should we think about it? Mm. I think... I think I remember uh, my, my undergrad alma mater doing that. Um, I know it happened uh, when I was teaching at uh, Central Christian in Kansas. Um, typically, H, 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 they may do something like that at a separate honor ceremony that I'm not required to go to. But there's not time enough for that at at, at a standard HBU commencement. Um, every every commencement is about the same time long, and so they can't do anything significantly extra um, for any one of them. Does so, HBU give doctorates in general? Are they do they have a, a PhD degree program? They have an EdD. Okay. Um. But what do we think about honorary degrees? Um, I mean, obviously there are people whose life, whose experience, whose accomplishments, whose um, knowledge earned in ways that don't chart easily onto the standard higher ed experience um, is not only as valuable and in many ways more valuable than 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 what my than what our degrees mean you know obviously there are those people who are um wise and sage and i don't only mean in you know sort of more more practical or folksy or moral ways um you know there are there are people with with uh you know i i i've known um older gentlemen who were functionally local historians in terms of their knowledge of of what went on in their community did they have a history degree no um but in terms of their 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 expertise um so in 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 uh, on one level yeah i think there are people who are worth who are worth honoring and if that's what a what an institution is using its honorary degrees to do um, I, I could see that as appropriate, but 
I don't know that that's necessarily always why that's happening. Um, and I also don't think it's necessarily good to muddy the water um, by bestowing honorary degrees um, as a, I don't know, as, as, as just kind of a way of buttering up people, um, especially if you've got folks who, uh, and, and there have been some who, who cite the honorary degrees as if it's a legitimate credential. Maya Angelou uh, forced people to call her Dr. Angelou despite her degrees being honorary. Yeah. There's so much I to respect. There's so much to respect about Maya Angelou, and I don't want to. I don't want to discount that stuff. But man, is that annoying. Well, the other thing to consider is: does she literally think that there is more respect in the word "doctor" than there is in the name Maya Angelou? Yeah, that's a good. It's a good question. I mean, my doctorate hasn't really gotten me any kind of social respect, although I do always put it on my plane tickets. Right. Still call me Mister at the gate. And on your Twitter handle. <laughs> Mine doesn't say doctor. I know you're always griping about people who put doctor in the Twitter handle. It's really on the cover <laughs> of books that bothers me. That's farmers. That's farmers law. If it, the the more your if if your book uh, has doctor on the cover in order to shore up your credentials, it's you probably don't have any credentials. Yeah. Nice, nice. No, it's interesting. First of all, Emmanuel doesn't, or in the 10 years I've been there, they haven't awarded an honorary degree. I I didn't look up the history to see if they ever have. But I, I think Grubbs has just convinced me I was going to take a categorical stand against honorary degrees. But I, I think in those cases, David, I mean, that you just narrated where someone's life has been a course of study, I think I could see granting that. Uh, when I think of honorary degree, I think of celebrity honorary degrees, and those just those just irritate me. Um, and I, yeah. I can't think of any in particular right now that are, are special cases, because honestly, I forget them pretty quickly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when universities you know grant honorary doctorates to politicians or actors or you know musicians or whoever else, uh, I mean, I kind of like the question you just posed. I mean, you know. Why is it that you think that doctor is a more important title than, you know, Saturday Night Live comedian? Uh, you know, the latter, frankly, is going to make you more money and, you know, get you more of a hearing in public. So I'm not sure why universities do that. But like I said, now that you've narrated that other scenario, that makes a, a fair bit of sense to me. Yeah. For the record, the Christian Humanist Radio Network will bestow honorary doctorates for a small donation hundreds of bucks <laughs> and our honorary doctorates believe me mean as much as any honorary doctorate from any institution you too can there insist on being called doctor well on our way out uh let's engineer the commencement ceremony a bit what changes would you make either to the practice as a whole or the way your particular community practices it well the first thing the first change i would make and this should surprise none of our listeners my uh College has, you know, about any given semester, you know, 10 to 15 percent of its student body is international and 15 to 20 percent of its graduates are international. And yet we insist on doing not only the national anthem, but also the Pledge of Allegiance to the American flag. Uh, Cut that. Uh, You know, if we're going to have an international student body, let's have an international graduation ceremony. Take a knee, Nathan. Yeah, there you go. There you go. A little bit more substantially than that, you know, um, going back to, you know, what uh, Michael was talking about with the graduation speakers. I mean, I would like to see more colleges invite people who have things to say about that connection between the learning that you've just been part of for four years and the life that lies ahead of you. I mean, you know, the the people who say that education isn't all that important are especially obnoxious to be sure. Uh, but the people who treat college as, you know, just a phase in their life that got them to what's really awesome. Now, let me tell you what's really awesome about me. That also strikes me as, as cheapening the dedication and the work of the students that are there graduating. Uh, so really, I mean, you know, the, the form of the graduation ceremony, aside from the national anthem, the pledge of allegiance, I don't have big problems with. Uh, it's really, you know, 
those 10 minutes and no graduation address should be longer than 10 minutes uh, of graduation address. I think uh, colleges could be a little bit more intentional, not only about who they invite, but also what they ask those people to talk about in those things. Yeah, I mean, uh, we got through this without ever mentioning the Taylor University controversy with Mike Pence. Oh, yeah, yeah. Narrate that for a second, Michael. Yeah, Taylor University, which is a conservative Christian college in Indiana, is has come under fire because Mike Pence is the graduation speaker this year. And, you know, I, I think it's certainly understandable that people wouldn't like that. I think it would certainly understandable that Taylor U would, as a conservative institution, uh, would be overjoyed to be able to have the vice president of the United States and former governor of Indiana at that graduation. If I were on the faculty, I don't think I'd be thrilled about it, though. So I don't, I mean, maybe this is an argument for not inviting controversial political figures to give your graduation addresses. I can see that. And I mean, I, you, you guys know, and listeners, you know, that I'm no fan of Mike Pence, but it strikes me as a fit. I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, it's a conservative evangelical school. He's a conservative evangelical who has, in a very straightforward sense, taken a place on the world stage. Uh I, I, if I were a professor at Taylor University, I'd bite the bullet and go to that graduation. Even not liking Mike Pence very much, it reminds me of when uh, University of Georgia Law School invited Clarence Thomas to give their graduation address, and people were processing it. And I'm thinking, okay, a law school called University of Georgia Law School isn't going to have that many Supreme Court justices. Uh, I hate to bust your bubble. Let's celebrate the one you got. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's got to be the biggest get that uh, Taylor U has ever had. And, uh, you know, spell, oh, absolutely. Yeah. However yeah. You'd like to. <sighs> David, what would you uh, what would you change besides my uh, propensity for vulgar puns? Mine is all about the style and zero of the substance. Um, our university has a mace that is carried in the in the commencement ceremony um i think that some gauntlets should go with it um i want a (laughs) i want a functional hood on my regalia and i think we should process with the hoods up um and then only then reveal who you are (laughs) yes yes exactly like like jedi is about to have a saber duel i don't know what answer i expected david grubbs to give (laughs) <laughs> but I should have expected this one. Um, finally, and this is this is just maybe maybe it's a it's a it's a tangible connection to to your suggestions, Nathan. Um, back in a day, uh, preachers used to have hourglasses on the pulpit, and you had until the hourglass was out to finish your sermon. And if you were still going when the sand ran out people would leave it was like it was it was professional malpractice so i want a giant i want to i want a giant hourglass on the stage for the commencement speech and for the everything else in the commencement i want a neatly scripted and predictable liturgy i don't want any wild cards i want i i don't want any improvisational prayers or wings winged initiations from the alumni society everything needs to be very very tightly managed that's what i want and medieval stuff That's it. Uh, mine, I, I want uh, something a little, a little more modest. I think I would like for uh, professors who are interested to be able to uh, shake the hands of students in their department, which was something they did at my college, and I really appreciated, and which we don't do. We have to sit up in the choir loft at this church, and then uh, the students go by, and we just kind of glaze, uh, glare blankly ahead. And uh, I, I would very much like it if uh, I could go down and uh, congratulate the English majors, if only because it would break up the uh, endless graduation ceremony a little bit. Mm. I see that. We just clap a lot. Do you clap a little bit less for students you don't like? I clap a little bit less for students I don't like. Because you have to clap because everybody's looking at you. I clap a little bit less for students I don't know. I clap louder for people who are uh, uh, 
who 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 graduate with honors and so forth. And I have sat on my hands when certain students have walked the stage. Oh, that's cold. It's the only thing you can do. You can't boo. Although, man, would that be satisfying in some cases. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I if I if I could heckle certain students, and, and by the way, just in case listeners think that I'm just super petty, I am, first of all. But <laughs> the students that I've sat on my hands for, I mean, have been students who cheated in the capstone theology class, turned in plagiarized papers, but then were still allowed to walk. And I mean, that... I, that that's too much for me. That's a bridge too far. I'm not going to applaud those students. Oof. And by the way, those students have to retake the class in a summer session, and, you know, if they pass that version, then they get their actual paper diplomas, but they still get to be part of the uh, graduation ceremony, and I don't think that's right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it's it's hard, right, because they, they have to make all the uh, the programs and the, the whatnots back in March. So they don't know if students are going to flunk their uh, required classes at the last minute, as no doubt a couple of them do every semester. Oh, certainly, certainly. So, And honestly, if they fail it, I'll still applaud because I know they're coming back in the summer to take it. You know, if they, for whatever reason, just didn't pass it, but failed honestly, I'll still applaud that student. But if they cheat, fail the class... And they still let them walk. Nah, I'm not doing that. Do they? Uh, do they webcast your graduations? They do. Yes. So our our listeners, if they're interested, can go find the webcast of the Emmanuel graduation and watch who Nathan is not applauding. Except that the camera is always on stage and the faculty are not. A bummer. Well, you can you can find mine and watch me uh, stare blankly ahead. Nice. I have no idea what's visible on ours because I've never watched it. Because um, I've been at the graduations for the people that I wanted to see walk. Presumably well, that's, there's something. Uh, that's our thoughts on commencement ceremonies. This was a loose episode. I hope uh, I hope our listeners enjoyed it nevertheless or because of that. I don't know what people like. Uh, normally, this is where I'd ask what we're doing on the next episode. Nathan, you're taking it in the fall. Do you have any idea? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Come on, I, uh, man. Plan better. I, I I have no thoughts about what I might want to talk about in August or September. So uh, our listeners will just have to wait until then and tune in. In the meantime, you can get in touch with us at the, uh, the Humanist at gmail.com or our website, which is christianhumanist.org. We're also on Facebook and individually we're on Twitter. We don't have a Christian Humanist Twitter account. Maybe we should make one. Uh the Christian Humanist Podcast is a production of the Christian Humanist Radio Network. Our press liaison is Christian Philippic. For David Grubbs and Nathan Gilmore, this is Michael Farmer saying, let your sins be strong and let your faith be stronger. <laughs>